everyone, and welcome to Buzzing About Romance podcast. I am Becky. And I am Leah. And make sure you stick around to the end of this episode. We have an exclusive clip from Always Her Love by Melissa Foster, uh, provided to us by Lyric Audio and author Melissa Foster. Um, So, Leah. Yes, Becky. What are we doing on this episode? On this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we have an author spotlight episode with Anna Hackett. She is a USA Today bestselling romance author who's passionate about fast-paced, emotion-filled romantic suspense and sci-fi romance, and I am so excited. Um, So the full bio for Anna is available in our on-the-shelf show notes, but here's some things you should know about Anna. She's an Australian that lives in Perth, Western Australia. She is the mother of two busy little boys. Before she became a full-time author, she worked as a minor engineer at mines all around the world. She loves action movies. She loves sci- sci-fi movies and TV shows. She has always been a romance reader. So, to the interview. And welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. We I are- am super excited that you are here. <laughs> Yeah, Shauna had emailed us and was like, would you like to have Anna on? I was like, yes, yes, we will. We will make that happen as soon as possible. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm excited and I'm extra excited that you guys are excited. So getting to talk about all my favorite things. So writing, reading and romance. Um, mm-hmm. I'm here for that. <laughs> well, and Leah pretty much is like, you don't need to come Becky. I got this. I'm like, um, no, it doesn't <laughs> work that, that. way. <laughs> you did do say that I did but we've also had authors who Becky has fangirled super hard and basically asked me if I was still here so so Anna's a huge romance reader we had Julie Garwood on an Mm -hmm. episode like she asked me if I was sleeping (laughs) because Becky just (laughs) didn't stop talking didn't get a chance to get it I just was kind of sitting back and basking in the moment And she's like, Leah, are you still there? Did you fall asleep? I'm like, nope, I'm here. Don't worry. I mean, I tell you, it was so funny because we have a sister podcast that does historical romances and they had Beverly Jenkins on was their first episode that they ever dropped. And they were like, you have to be on this episode with us because we're pretty sure we're just going to sit there and look at her on the Zoom screen. I'm like, (laughs) holy awkward, you guys, please stop. (laughs) We are not much better though. We aren't. We really aren't. No, but hey, it's lots of fun. And, and you know, meeting these people whose books you've been mm-hmm. reading for years and years is a, you know, I was a reader long before I was a, a writer. So mm-hmm. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Well, and that's something it's really cool with this podcast is we get to talk to these writers that we love. Like Leah is a huge fan of yours. She, mm-hmm. you know, screams and yells about your books nonstop. And so it's really awesome that, you know, she now has this opportunity that she gets to be like, I mm-hmm. get to talk to Anna Hackett today. And we're like, got it. Great. Well, like <laughs> I said, talking all my favorite things. So <laughs> happy to be here. Um, so we just want to get to know you a little bit, uh, help our listeners kind of see where your inspiration comes and how things work for you. So what drew you to write romance? You said you've been a lifelong reader and romance is a very special genre for you, but it's a switch to flip from reader to writer. Yeah. So like I said, big reader. Um, and when I started out 
you know, I used to read anything when I was younger, but over time, slowly it bubbled up that, uh, you know, romance was my jam. And uh, I guess I crave that happiness happily ever after I mm-hmm. you know there's enough bad stuff going on in the world I didn't want to read about it when I was um you know sitting down to relax so you know naturally I, I started reading more and more romance um and I was actually away on a work trip uh working at a mine in Canada in Quebec and I ran out of books on that trip um I'd go home oh and gosh, read in the, the evening worst. It was pre-Kindle days, so I'd taken a stash and everyone spoke French and I didn't, so I couldn't sort of go out and socialise maybe how I would normally, so I was just reading and I'm like, okay, I'm out of books. And I was like, well, maybe I should start, you know, trying to write my own. Um, But, of course, being a good engineer, I couldn't just start writing. I had to buy lots of books on how to write and... um, look into that and gather all my information before I could start writing. I guess the other thing that I realized once I did start writing my stories was I'd always had a little bit of trouble finding the kind of books that I love because I write very action-packed romance and Mm -hmm. that's what I like to read as well. And I can't always find the right blend of that. Some books have a great romance, but not quite enough action. Some books have an awesome plot but not quite enough romance. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was finding that right balance. So suddenly I realized I could write those stories for for reader Anna um, that had that right balance of that action and romance. Um, Yeah. So that's where it, where it all started. Love that. So when you're in your writing process, do you plan and plot or do you pants your books? Uh, So I plan engineer but um not as much as you would probably think mm-hmm. um when I first started I was convinced no I've got a plot I'm a planner engineering background I need to know I need to have the plan to follow uh but early on I did I think overplot some of those stories and then when you come to write it it's almost like you've already written it and mm-hmm. you lose some of that um you know spark to keep you going I actually love some of the stuff that comes out as you're writing that you Mm -hmm. discover as you're writing a story the organic stuff so I write a very loose mud map so just um, a few lines for each chapter or each scene in a chapter just to give me a rough idea Um, and then you know a lot of it does come out organically so yeah so I've just got that that brief framework I use a lot of screenwriting screenwriting um, tips and tricks for my plotting um, but yeah it's quite loose because I like to see what comes out as I'm writing mm-hmm. well are you someone that the characters talk in your head as you're writing or um, you know do you do you hear the voices <laughs> for me yeah for me it's a bit more like a movie unfolding so and okay. a lot of readers do say when they read my books it's like watching a movie and I, mm. I guess I'm not too surprised because I like I said I use some of the screenwriting tips and tricks and that's how it plays out in my head so uh so yeah you know the the characters there they make themselves known but yeah for me it's it's more like watching a movie and trying to capture that um in words so yeah so it's a much more visual forward movement with your creations, which is kind of cool because then you would see smaller little details that you can bring into the story that way. That 
since you know it's a vi- more visual yeah and because I have a lot of action so there's a lot of action scenes fight scenes you know it's it's sort of in your head working out where all the bits are who's where what's happening um you know sometimes down to whose arm is moving where and Mm -hmm. and trying to make all that work because sometimes it's hard you see something on the screen and I I get a lot of inspiration from watching great tv shows and movies and I my husband's very used to me going oh pause pause I need to just make a note because like that how they did that's amazing but it doesn't always translate to words you can't Mm -hmm. always capture what you see on the screen with words so sometimes you do need to tweak things and and vice versa you can describe things with words that on the screen they can't always capture so it's it's a trade-off obviously but yeah you know I I, and at the end of the day I just have fun with it so especially with the fight scenes and the action scenes Mm -hmm. so you started with the sci-fi element when you first started writing like what made you switch to just straight contemporary um I read both and uh, I think when I first started, I was coming out of having read a lot of paranormal. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's back when the paranormal craze was huge. And that's where I was finding a lot of the action-packed romance that I was looking for. And I did write a few little paranormal stories early on, but mm-hmm. I'm such a huge sci-fi fan and, um, and especially in my movies and TV. So I guess that started to push through as I started writing. And so... I just went with it mm-hmm. um and then uh, I'd always had more you know straight contemporary romantic suspense ideas and I guess I was just waiting till the time was right to to do that I started a few sci-fi series and then and some of those are quite long fell down a bit of a rabbit hole with some of those so by the uh-huh. time I was getting to wind up some of those series it took a little bit longer maybe than I thought in my head before I got to start my first romantic suspense series. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to read more romantic suspense at the time. I was reading less um, sci-fi paranormal and had been starting to read more contemporary. So I guess that was just a natural evolution. And now, you know, everything I write is action romance. Mm-hmm. Now I get to flick between the two subgenres of science fiction romance and romantic suspense, which keeps me really fresh and keeps me writing fast. Because mm-hmm. after I've come out of writing a big, you know, world heavy sci-fi, it's really nice to then flick back to sort of the real world and be able to write something contemporary. And I don't think if I was just writing one subgenre, I could actually write as fast as I do because mm-hmm. I think you get a bit almost burned out on that world or, or, or something. So yeah, it's really great for me. I can flick between the two subgenres, and I really enjoy that. So your sci-fi worlds, um, you're in like the Conqueror Gartlet galaxy right now, but where do you come up with these detailed worlds? Because there, there's a lot of world to these books. Yes. So that's where you get to have fun with it. I get to make stuff up. Um, So actually there's a bit more research involved in my romantic suspense because Mm -hmm. when it's set in a real place, one, you need to make sure that place feels real. And like, you know, I'm forever working out how long is it going to take to drive from this place in San Francisco to this place somewhere else, you know, because I I don't necessarily know that off the top of my head. Uh Whereas in the sci-fi stuff, you can make it up. Um, Mm -hmm. 
so um yeah so there's that's probably the main difference between them so there's actually more research for some of the suspense stuff but Mm -hmm. there's more world building for the sci-fi so I do have to sit down and think planets and environments and alien species yeah and names for all of those and how things interact and especially with you mentioned conqueror so which is going Mm. to my editor today so after I finish with you guys I've got to flick back to finishing my edit so that's um heading off to my editor today so that's Mm -hmm. the fourth book in my galactic kings and each planet's got a different sort of environment and these people mm-hmm. have different abilities because of a solar flare that's passed through their system centuries ago. So each planet's different. Each set of characters has different abilities. So yeah, that's been very world heavy because often in my sci-fi, oh, it's all set on the same planet. So mm-hmm. I can, you know, I'm already in the world, but this one I had to like create a different world for each planet essentially. So mm-hmm. it's, um, been lots of fun but yeah a lot more world building so I just sit down and have fun with it uh-huh. at the do end you keep the like a binder because all of your planets and all of your sci-fi like they could counter like they interact and they they know each other but how like do you keep a binder to keep everything <clears throat> straight I wish I could say I did but I don't so <laughs> and every now and then I think oh why haven't I created you know, a lot of authors do have their their Bible for their mm-hmm. series. So one little tip I do do is all the books in a series, I'll paste them all into one big master document so I can very easily search through that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering. I mean, my worlds and my characters become very real to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always joke, the one thing I can never remember is eye colour. I can never remember what colour a character's eyes are. You know, after you've written so many books and so many characters, so... Often I'll have to flick back through to see what color people's eyes are, or I just ask in my reader group because they know. <laughs> so I'll say, hey, this character, uh-huh. what color were their eyes? Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm pretty good at remembering some of those details, but I do need to go back and check, especially when there's um, an interaction with a previous series. So mm-hmm. Galactic Kings is set in the same world as Galactic Gladiators, and I, I have had a few cameos. And, you know, I have to go back and check where in the timeline or, or what mm-hmm. things, you know, go and remind myself on some of the details. So, um, well, because that is one hope- thing I've noticed because I've, I've read all the sci-fis up to this point and like, you're one of the few that get everything. It's all solid. Like every once in a while, like I'll come across a series and I'll be like, oh, like this is, this didn't happen like this, or this is the wrong like <laughs> couple or the wrong planet name, but I've never... I've never come across that in one of your books. So that's why I was like, does she keep like really good records or is she just that good? I, I wish I could say I did. And there are times when I'm like, I really wish I'd kept a good record of this. But mm-hmm. now I've got too many books and the series are quite big. So going back to try and pluck all that information out would be too time consuming. But like mm-hmm. I said, these characters and places are real to me in my head that's not to say I remember every single detail and I do love when a reader like shares a a favorite quote from a book and I'm like I've got no idea what character said that (laughs) like no idea um but it's cool (laughs) and uh yeah so I don't remember everything but yeah for me they're real sometimes I'll fudge it so some timelines I've just fudged a bit you keep things a little bit general so you're Mm -hmm. not going too much in the detail to get it wrong um but yeah for me 
plugging everything into like a big master document that I can search through and double check some of those key timeline elements, especially or descriptions of things uh, is my little hack for, for checking that I get everything mm-hmm. right. My little like type A planner heart is like anxiety for you right now. But yeah, like, totally. Like, like, believe me, there's times I sit down and I think, oh, and actually um, after I send Conquer off today, I'm getting back to work on a Treasure Hunter Security Team 52 Norcross Security crossover novella. So everyone's making an appearance and I sat down to write it. I am so excited for this. Like so excited. um, I'm having lots of fun with it. So it's very much Treasure Hunter Security Team 52 with a dash of Norcross. So the Mm. main storyline is very Treasure Hunter Security Team 52. So those... (laughs) series are complete so it's Mm -hmm. so fun to go back and revisit those and they've got a much more adventure flavor well Um, I actually just I've I hadn't listened to audiobooks before but I've started listening to audio and I just did a complete like series listen to the treasure hunters when I found out you were doing that crossover because it's been so long since I've read them it's like oh I'm gonna listen to all of these (laughs) I'm so excited Awesome. So yeah, so I'm, I've written the first few chapters and I'm back to work on that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been fun, but I had to sit down and do a timeline because I really wasn't sure, <laughs> you well, know. In the series timelines, books. they move pretty fast too. Yes. So, I mean, usually there's not long gaps between my books. So I finish one and there's a strong lead into the next story. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, between all of those and that, different characters have made appearances they're they're set in everyday life so I can have those characters make appearances in other books so yeah I had to sit down and like untangle the timeline and unpick mm. stuff and a few times I was like oh I thought that happened there but lucky I wrote this timeline because it didn't so uh <laughs> yes so no but uh, I mean the main it's it's a novella so it's not going to be super long but the main hero and heroine there's appearances by everyone but the main mm-hmm. hero and heroine are new so um mm-hmm. it's their story at the end of the day so um yeah but it's it's lots of fun so I'm, I'm hoping to get that finished this week uh and excited to get that out next month along with Conqueror so fun um so you have like 70 plus books written I tried to count but it was a it was an off day so I think it's 70 (laughs) plus books written um numbers are hard sometimes what is something you know now that you wish you had known back when you were writing that first book you know what I don't think there's I, I don't think there's anything I have zero regrets I've loved every book and series I've written um and you know I'm I'm fully indie now so initially my first few stories I'd sold to um a publisher and I am having a bit of a wrestling match trying to get one of those back at the moment mm-hmm. um so that's the only thing that I would change that I would have gone straight indie early on but then again I learned so much and I did mm-hmm. have a good time at, at that time um working with my editor and the publisher and I learned a lot from that so no regrets and I knew going in like I said I was a reader long before as a writer it wasn't ever about one book for me it was about as a reader I love getting that flow of new releases coming and knowing I can de- depend on my favorite authors to get me a great story every 
well, back then it was every year, but, you know, you hope that they get it to you quicker. And that was what I wanted to do for my readers. I'm like, there's one thing I could do that I would love my favourite authors to do is get me more than one book a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really motivated me to want to improve my writing pace and storytelling so I could do that. Um, And... Yeah, so I knew it was a marathon. I knew it wasn't about one book or one series. It was always going to be, and and I've got so many story ideas, you know, forever on the boil up here. I think I've got a few years worth. So um, for me, it was just always about getting those stories out and moving on to the next story and Mm -hmm. moving on to the next story and, and keep writing and telling the stories that I love to read and hopefully my readers enjoy as well. So I think that's something that people don't really kind of that grasp that if they've really just been reading since the indie author movement, that many of us, you know, it was one book a year, maybe two books like a year. You wait, it was like the month of June. June and November. June mm-hmm. and November. You know, and a lot of times you'd get that book May, June, and then you'd get a paperback of it in November. And I don't think they mm-hmm. understand that how how much the indie authors have changed how we consume the material and how much ebooks have changed how we consume this material. Mm-hmm. And to be a reader now is so much better than when I was a reader. I mean, that's when you reread because you, you got four new books at the end of May, but you weren't going to get any more until November and you were stuck. You just had to re- keep rereading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was having a similar discussion with my sons who are eight and 11 about, you know, when mummy and daddy watched TV, we couldn't pause it. We couldn't pick the episode we wanted, Mm -hmm. pause it to go and get our snack and come back and keep watching. I said it came out once a week at a certain time and you had to watch it. And they were complaining about commercials because usually they're watching on Netflix and there's no commercials and they're watching something that had commercials. And, and I said, well, everything we watched had commercials and they're just staring at me blankly. Like, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you're never going to know this. Everything is on demand for you. And, you know, and I think as a reader now that that is great that, you know, my favorite authors do get me more than one book a year now. Um, and, and it has really changed. And, you know, when I describe to non-reader people, I'm an author. And, and then when they say, oh, how, how many books have you written? And you tell them and everyone's like eyes like fall out of their head and they, how many books a year? And when I say like about 10, you know, and I, I say to them, I'm like the Netflix of writing now. I write a bit shorter and more frequently. Everyone wants to download the next one now. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, that's how readers are it's not work on your you know magic book for yeah, a year that great or two novel years. the great novel that's you know you're never gonna get and complete you're never gonna complete yeah it's funny because Sorry. you know we get the same as readers we get kind of the same reaction when people are like how many books do you read a year i do not read as fast as leah and i do not read as many novellas as leah but I hit about 400, 425 books and she hits like 1200. Um, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Um, but I everyone will be like, great. how do you Go read on, all? Keep... It's a lot of books. People will be like, how do you read that many? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't consume TV really, except mm-hmm. I did this weekend because, well, 
Dairy Girls is back on the U.S. Netflix, so I have to. Oh, watch it is. It. Yes. Anyway, okay. um, that's everybody knows what I'm doing this week. <laughs> it's season three of Dairy Girls, um, which Anna's probably already watched because it was out like a year ago. <laughs> I don't watch TV, so this is like I've got some friends, and they say oh, I watch a bit when I say I don't, and they're like, "Oh, I binge something on the weekend," and I'm like. I had edits to do and kids to take to a soccer game and then another one had mm-hmm. to go to swimming lessons and then my husband wanted me to help with something around the house and then he actually wanted some attention because he's <laughs> last on the list usually. Right. And then I had to plot out something else and I had to answer some emails and I had to do some, fix something on my website and I'm like, when do people watch TV? So. Um, occasionally rare. we'll get to watch an episode of something once a week, my husband mm-hmm. and I, and it's generally something sci-fi. Um, cause that's, See, we that's watch we TV, like when our kids go to bed, my kids are 11 and eight also. So like they go to their rooms and then we have like our alone time. So like my husband will put on a show and I read a book. <laughs> so like and, we and- are spending time together, but I don't want to watch half the stuff that's on there. So he watches I read and we are happy, happy, hunky-dory. And see, that's where my husband's lucky. So I will Mm -hmm. always choose the action movie over anything else. And I will always choose the sci-fi TV show over anything Mm -hmm. else and same stuff he enjoys. So we can often watch something, but often by the time the kids are in bed and then exhausted. He's got to send, he's got to like do our personal finances and, Mm -hmm. and I've got to fill out something for the kids for school or, you know, and then suddenly you're tired and I like to read when I get into bed. So Mm -hmm. I read every day. I've turned into much more of a rereader because now that my, since I started writing and I've got kids, my time for reading and TV watching obviously has shrunk significantly. Mm -hmm. So I'm very protective of it. So I'm actually find myself, unfortunately, much less willing to try new authors because Mm -hmm. I need to guarantee what I'm going to read is going to work for me in that short period of time I've got to read. Um, So it turns out I reread a lot more because I know I'm going to enjoy rereading Mm -hmm. something again. Um, and then I wait for my favorite few authors to release stuff. So, yes. Yeah. So look, I, I actually would like to watch a bit more TV. Cause like I said, I do get a lot of inspiration <laughs> out of, you know, great storytelling is what really hits the spot. Dairy Girls is fantastic. If you haven't watched okay. it, it takes place in 1980s Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it. Yeah. So, so I'll put it on my list. It's such great humor. And honestly, my husband's family, when they were watching season three, his one cousin messaged me. She's like, I'm watching season three. And I'm like, it's really mean. It's really, really (laughs) mean that you're doing this. She's like, well, if you lived here, I was like, yeah, I know. Thanks. Thanks for the reminder. They're they're so nice. (laughs) So, um, okay. So. When you go to approach, and we kind of talked about it a little bit too, but do you have to kind of switch things in your mind when you're writing like the sci-fi book versus writing that romantic suspense book? Like, you know, how yeah. do you, you know, your approach has to be different. Yeah, not in the big picture. When I sit down to plot, it's similar um, process that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a few things and it's really once I start writing the story. So I guess the romantic suspense stuff is slightly more focused on the characters in the romance and the sci-fi stuff, there's more world building. So because Mm -hmm. there's more world building and a little bit more action probably, that takes up more room in the story. So that that room in a romantic suspense is taken up a bit more by the um, romance and the characters. So that's, but again, it's probably a subtle difference. Um, in the romantic suspense, you know, I can use the, the, the dialogue's probably a bit more fun because you can use more slang and, and, you know, when you've got an alien warrior hero, he's not using slang and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, the, the dialogues are a touch different. Um, so look, there's a few subtle differences, but I would say big picture, I don't do anything that differently, but once you get down um, into the nitty gritty details, there's more world building stuff that goes on in the sci-fi. And, um, you know, we were talking before all the alien species and beasts and character names and all of that and, and environments of a planet, mm-hmm. and the plants that grow there, you know, you need to think through all of that kind of stuff. Well, Cause they're um, not just versus plants, they attack things. Don't you just want to name one of your aliens like Frank just once have an alien (laughs) that just has like a really, really plain human name. (laughs) Just Well, then then you would have to like change the K to a C and put an apostrophe or something to make it sound like alien like. Like, um, but look, that's part of the world building is, um, and it's always a balance to try and get it so it's relatable. People can picture what you're talking about, but also make it feel alien. People want to be trans, you know, sci-fi readers yeah. want to be transported somewhere different. So, um, yeah. So names I spend quite a bit of time with because I like the name to resonate with whatever you know if it's a if it's a big overprotective alien warrior then his name sort of needs to resonate with that um frank might not work um and you know a a planet all of that you know whatever that planet's like i I try and find a name that gives you the feel of that if that makes sense yeah so yeah do um, you yeah do you like search for names or do you just make them up no, I search. So baby name websites are brilliant. Um, so I, and, and a lot of them now will have like futuristic sounding names and, and there's also a lot of um, alien name generators, you know, the generators will come up with like random lists of names um, for planets and species and all that kind of stuff. So it's nice to flick through there. I do keep a little list. So every now and then I'll hear something and I'll think, Oh, that would be the most awesome alien, you know, hero name. So mm-hmm. I, I do keep a little list of potential alien hero names that I can use. That's um, so fun. Yeah. Um, so you probably, your, your um, sci-fi is probably not as tropey as what your romantic suspense is going to be. Um, but do you have, I mean, do you try to put tropes within the sci-fi or is it just if it happens to trope be a trope, then it works, but it's not, you're not going in it and writing. This is a second chance romance or. Yeah, that's a great question. So probably with the sci-fi, I'm less, it's not so much about a trope as a cool hook. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so my, my 
Gladiator, the first book in Galactic Gladiators, the heroine's been abducted and dumped in a arena, the blood-soaked sands of an arena on the the outer rim of the galaxy facing off with an alien gladiator. So, you know, it's more about that interesting hook uh, rather than the tropes that we're very familiar with, um, especially in contemporary romance. Um, but you can get some of those elements in and there's probably sci-fi romance probably has some of its own tropes, like the alien abduction thing, the heroine mm -hmm. abducted from Earth is a very popular trope. And, you know, it's popular for a few reasons, but as an author, it gives the reader someone to relate to as they land in this new alien world. Um, so you, you, you don't feel like everything's completely um, alien to you. Uh, so I can see why that trope's become very popular. And, mm -hmm. You know, the warrior hero, um, you know, it's like the protector hero, I guess, in contemporary romance, but with some steroids, um, you end up with your alien warrior hero. Um, even the whole monster romance thing, I, I think a lot of it probably started in sci-fi romance with these mm -hmm. very alien heroes who are like a lizard or a I don't write that type of stuff, but um, it's popular. So the lizard type hero or the spider type hero or the kraken type hero or pick your monster, they've turned that into an alien. So, you know, there's a lot of tropes around around that kind of stuff. So, yeah, for me, it's less trope driven than sci-fi. I, I go after that hook. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, it comes through that my favourite trope is, is that protector hero, whether he's a ex-military or law enforcement or a spy you know a lot of my sci-fi heroes have a lot of those elements in mm -hmm. in them as well even though they're an alien warrior um there's there's a lot of that military feel to to what I write um I I know what tropes I never write I don't know if Leah can guess what tropes I never write I don't I don't know I don't write second chance romance sorry it's oh, thank not you. never Jesus. written one of those thank you Jesus Thank you. Um, I just, I, I like a, a really uplifting story. I like to inspire and entertain my readers. And with Second Chance, there's a lot of angsty stuff to work through. And yeah. that doesn't work for me. Well, so, and it has to be um, I'm going through like your backlist in my head. And I'm like, no, there's not. You do like a sibling's best friend though. Yeah. So sometimes they've known each other or they've had a crush, but it never got far enough for it then to be classed as a second chance when they mm -hmm. get together later on. Um, I guess I love that fresh, fun feeling of two people meeting for the first time or realizing mm -hmm. that there's something there. And I just feel like with second chance, there's all this baggage on it. It's not to say I don't believe in second chance, you know, go for it, but it's not, doesn't light my fire. So mm -hmm. I don't doesn't have the spark. Second chance doesn't always have that big sparky moment and, I'm an instant connection, you know, instant lust kind of reader. Or there's a like a lot of times her hero and heroine will rub each other the wrong way and there's a lot of friction. And so it's like there's a little bit of enemy element, but they're not really enemies, but you know it's just like the just sexual enough. tension. Uh -huh. Yeah. So yeah, all all of that totally lights my fire, but but not second chance. The other thing I don't write a lot of is kids. So, and especially mm -hmm. not babies, um, you know, I've got an eight and 11 year old. And when I really kicked my writing into gear, I had a newborn and a toddler and I was 
excruciatingly aware that romance and a baby and a toddler didn't mix very well. Mm. Um, and especially for me writing such fast paced action packed books, it's very hard to get kids in there in a convincing way. So I do have the odd child here and there. They're usually older. Um, but for me, I just have a really hard time making babies and young children work in a romance because mm -hmm. they're, they're really anti-romantic. <laughs> That are, in real life that are your heroines are pregnant but they're just pregnant for a while so that's right so I can make that work and then the uh -huh. baby can come after the happily ever after mm -hmm. well and the other thing and I don't see it very often with kids but when an author will write like a pet the cat will be there in the beginning of the book by the end of the book I I will be like what, what happened cat? to the freaking cat nobody went back to <laughs> feed Although the cat or let the she does have a couple pets in her sci-fi romances but the pets are very instrumental in like their rescue so the pets stay yeah so i do do have some alien pets or, or usually it's like some wild animal has attached themselves to the hero or the heroine and aren't letting go so but it's some sort um, of alien I being yeah, so I, I get to have fun with that. But they're aliens. They just, they can take care of themselves, yeah, you know. Yeah. They don't need to be let in or out. I always have moments. I'm always having moments for like, who took the dog potty today? <laughs> like, my dogs are in and out all the time. Like, we have a, you know, a door that they can move in and out when the weather is nice. And, you know, I spend a lot of time in the winter letting them in and out. So it's the worst. Who does I don't this? do a lot of pets either. So yeah. yeah, again, and usually my my heroes and heroines, like something, you know, the world's in jeopardy or someone's in jeopardy and they've got to fly off to save the day and they're, they're not home for the whole mm -hmm. book. So right. actually that was a big driver when I wrote my Norcross Security series, which is a much more contemporary feel romantic suspense because I'd written Treasure Hunter Security, which I always call my Indiana Jones romances, mm -hmm. and then Team 52, more military feel, but again, still that adventure and they're but off they have saving sci -fi the world. elements like blended in though. It does. So, you know, the the thing with the Team 52 is uh the idea is that the world ancient cultures were a lot more advanced than we knew, and piece of this ancient technology turn up they look like artifacts but they can do amazing things so it's not really magic but there's like that element of sci-fi because they mm -hmm. these people have created some amazing piece of technology and um but we never like knew about it they got destroyed in the mm -hmm. ice age and then they're popping up so you know i got to have fun with that but um yeah, those people are always rushing off to save the day. So when I came, I was talking with some author friends as I had these ideas for Norcross Security and I said, I, I want to be in the same place. I want my characters to be able to eat a meal, like, mm -hmm. you know, go out for dinner. I just, I had all these like rushing off and flying all over the world to save the day and trekking to a lost temple and, and all that was awesome and I loved it, but I was a bit tired from that and I needed a slightly different flavor so Norcross Security is set in San Francisco and they pretty much stay in San Francisco and the surrounds um, and you know there's a lot of action still but people actually 
eat a meal occasionally. So, um, yeah, so that that was what was the driver for just a slightly different flavour, um, still the action and romance, but um, I was just like, you know, let's not fly all around the world and not have a chance to catch our breath, let alone eat mm-hmm. or sleep. So. Right. So you did not, you were not a writer. That was not like your chosen career when you first started out in the grown-up world. And you went from... An engineer, which is a very, you know, analytical, math focused to creating a world that, you know, and that's such a big switch. What was the decision to write that first book? So what happened in your life that you were like, I'm going to try writing? Well, you talked about how you didn't have books. You ran out of books. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think, too, I'd always in my head as I'm reading, and I don't know if you guys do this as readers, rewritten the stories that didn't work for me in my head. I'm like, I totally wouldn't have done that. Like, why wouldn't you have the character do this and then you uh-huh. could do this and their background could be this and like, you know, and, oh, this is really boring. Like I read a book recently that someone had recommended. I'm like, the whole book, they were in a house. Like she went into the garden once, I think, and maybe to the mall once. And I'm like, this whole book is set in a house, which is like compared to my books is like totally crazy. Yeah. And I'm just, I wanted something to happen so desperately. The romance was all right, but I'm like, there was no, not enough action for me. Go out on the porch. (laughs) I'm like, you know, go for a swim in the pool. Like, it's just, you know, they were in the house the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. So I think for me, I I, was used to that as a reader of fixing the stories in my head for the ones that didn't hit the spot right for me. Um, and I do that with movies or we were actually watching um, the new Star Wars TV show uh, Andor that came out uh-huh. recently. My husband's a huge Star Wars fan. So we were watching that and I'm like, why didn't they do this and that? And I'm like, if they did this, that would make me like this character so much more. And, you know, my husband just gives me the look now. So he's mm-hmm. used to it. And he's like, I totally agree with you. <laughs> now be quiet. so we can Could you stop? The show. Yeah. Um, so my yeah, husband that, has started troping. Something. My husband has started troping his shows. He'd be like, this is a friends to lovers. I'm like, because <laughs> he does all our audio production for our podcast. He spends, he spends too much time in our world. I was like, he just listens you, to you us. Trained him well. Too much. Trained him well. <laughs> um, so look, I think that's where it came from. You know, I had that spark of being away, run out of things to read. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll start writing my own. And I think in the back of my head, I was used to reworking things that didn't work for me. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, finding that right balance of action and romance for me, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I finally could do that in my books. Was it scary to push publish on that first story? Of course it is. I mean, you know, you put your heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears into something. And there's a little bit of every author in their story. Um, So of course it's terrifying to put it out there and suddenly everyone's got an opinion on it. Um, So yes, very hard, but look, I remind myself every day that not everyone's going to like my books. There's Mm -hmm. books I read that are perfectly well-written. They're just not for me. Um, And I get that. So you know, a vegetarian isn't going to eat a steak. So my steak isn't going to make a vegetarian happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I just pour all my energy and attention on the readers that love reading what I like to, yeah. to write. So 
we have the mantra not every book is for everybody and we will but we will never yuck anyone's yum because we read some bonker shit so we really do honestly we have no space to talk (laughs) yeah no look and and every author every reader has i think that same view and every author you know there's times when you see a book that's everyone's talking about it and you read it and you're like huh like what Oh, (laughs) why? Oh, yes. We have this. Yes. We have this problem weekly around here. We also do the like, what, what, why, why is this doing so well? Like we, we, we'll go, you know, with the podcast, we try to stay up on what is trending and what people are talking about. And And it's been a year now. And I've been complaining about the same book that have been trending. And And people are like, this was the spiciest book I ever read. And I'm like, three kisses in one sex scene, people, is not a spicy book, does it make at all? Uh, No. So look, I totally get it. I do the same thing. And I think, you know, this book's doing so well. Everyone's talking about it. I better read it. And I'm like, I've got a few great author friends here. We get together and write together. Mm -hmm. Or we'll do, um, you know, video calls and do writing sprints in that. Sorry, they're sprinting without me today, but I have to finish my edits on Concrete anyway, so I wouldn't <laughs> have been writing with them today anyway. But, um, yeah, sometimes we'll be like, oh, yeah, this book, let's all read it. And we come back and we're just like, huh, hmm, yeah, okay. So what I take from that is that there is a group of readers out there for every book. Um, there is. And you should find your people and write your stories for your people. Uh, and those other people can go and find the books that work for them. So uh-huh. there's something for everybody. Our people sure. are the people that, you know, like the sex with the door wide open. <laughs> those are our people. Oh, they don't I'm even the have same. to have the like, door open. They just need to be having the sex somewhere. They just somewhere. have to be indoors. Yeah. It could be outside. Yeah. Well, I meant like totally. open door, like we will see oh. it, kind of. <laughs> and And I'm the same. So all my books have a similar heat level and I feel robbed I got a free novella the other day you know I took a chance and I didn't mind the story but there was no payoff for me at the end of that novella and I was robbed and I didn't care that it was free I was like where's my sex scene because this isn't working Leah likes to bring up I made her read a Christmas book that they didn't even kiss they i only, don't think they had one they kiss. kiss just watch once. hallmark right if you want that but it she was, was like this hallmark book is so good I'm it like, was well okay. written it is a very good book but i was expecting especially from becky who does that like but i don't read holiday novel i don't read holiday books because it's i hate like, christmas this book is really good i'm like yeah it was really good but there you was can't no swifty like that becky i yeah. know can't pull a swifty i was kind of it was kind of the worst um yeah and it's a bit like books where the cover doesn't match the content. So it get very feisty. <laughs> I see everyone's eyes go big there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and there's some current trends in book covers at the moment, which um, I'm not quite ready to go down that path yet because okay. when I see them, I have no idea what I'm getting in that book. I and people are doing covers it in- very much. I'm going to say it. I want okay. the abs. I want the dude. I'll even take a oh. couple, but they got to be in a hot, steamy embrace. And it's got to look like things are happening. I cannot. So, you know, I've been reading romance since 1990. I've been one. doing this a lot of years. I've lived through the object covers. I've even, lived even through the her item covers. Are delightful. Like, look at these apps on this guy. 
Look at that guy. So good. But even her, hot. even this one. Like, look how right how hot that things is. are happening. Things are happening. I need it's those delightful. things. But I will say, I'm a bit of a slut for an illustrated cover. Like if it's but I really... like an illustrated cover on a rom com only. But that's just my personal. Well, opinion. but I've read some that aren't rom coms, but they're really but they're contemporary romance and they're very clear they're not rom coms. But I'm a slut for an. I don't know. I've got an eight and a year, eleven year old. I don't really need a book with a cover that looks like it could be in their pile of books. This is not my pile of books. Yeah, because my Um, eight year old will probably just start reading it and be like, "Oops, that's not for you." uh, I'd have to pin mine down to get them to do that, unfortunately. So, but that's okay. (laughs) She she loves to to read. She loves reading. Like that's what we do every night. We read together, and so. But all of these, like these, stay downstairs. They don't go upstairs. (laughs) Um, and my two, I've got boys, which I think mm-hmm. does make a slight difference on the whole reading thing. But um, my youngest is a great reader and he likes reading. So in, in the evening, he reads to dad. Um, but I haven't found the books where he's reading, but he's not loving the story. You know, I haven't seen him connect. Whereas the older one, I will see him connect with books, mm-hmm. but getting him to sit still long enough to read. Like when I say, well, why don't you go and read a book? He gives me this look like, I said I'm bored. I don't want to be more bored. No, my um, 11 year old does that too. He's like, I'm bored. I'm like, go read a book. Well, I don't want to do that. Like, that's boring. I'm like, really? So I still read to my 11 year old because I was like, screw this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to just let this drift off into oblivion that he's not reading. So he loves for me to read to him. So I think I'm going to need to get him into audiobooks. I think he actually learns mm-hmm. best auditory from listening. Yeah. And I and his father is the same, so he loves a good podcast or mm-hmm. listening readings. Not reading the words doesn't connect with him. So um, I, I will slowly integrate him into um, audiobooks. But right now, I I, I still I'm going to read to him as long as he'll let me. So, so I, um, my kids are older, but my 19 year old is an auditory learner and has some other executive function disorder uh, issues, and but comic books and he read like every x-men comic that was ever like we got him the comic book Mm -hmm. app and he read them all and to detail and he can tell us like this happened in this episode with this and the actual story is Mm -hmm. resonating yeah i've tried some graphic novels as well which they read them i just Mm -hmm. you know it's just not I, i haven't I want a reader like I was a reader and well, I don't have one of those. I have one of those in the form of my girl child and she, yeah, I can't yeah. keep her in books. It's the same. It my boy child, child just wants to play yeah. with Lego and like create things. And so, then my youngest will read with me all the time. Anna, you have a large backlist. Um, if someone is just now finding you as an author, where would you have them start? What is your current best representation um, as to how you're writing and telling stories now and give us a contemporary option and then also a sci-fi option. And that's usually the question I ask someone first is, you know, do you want sort of contemporary romantic suspense or a sci-fi? And if they say contemporary romantic suspense, I say the first book in my Norcross series, so The Investigator, that's very much contemporary romantic suspense. But if they want a little bit more action or adventure, then I will recommend undiscovered which is the first treasure hunt security so that's very much lost temple in the sands of egypt indiana jones style romantic suspense so different flavors the city or the adventure Mm -hmm. um 
for sci-fi, I usually recommend Gladiator or Edge of Eon, which is my Eon Warriors series. So one slightly more military feel, I guess, and one's, um, you know, Gladiator's got a slightly different feel again, but I think they're a good starting point. And then I have my readers who come in as romantic suspense readers who want to try the sci-fi, but they're a bit, they don't know where to start. And I usually direct them there to my Hell Squad series. So the first book's called Marcus, which is set on Earth in the not-too-distant future. And the aliens are the bad guys. The aliens have invaded. So it's a mm. little bit of a military romance feel. The heroes and heroines are, most of them are human. Um, and the aliens are the bad guys. So I feel like that's a, it's got the feel of a military romance or romantic suspense, but it's got the sci-fi um, as well. So that's mm. a good bridge between the two I guess so um yeah so there you go you asked for one and I gave you five that's perfect when anybody's asking asks about your sci-fi I always tell them like you're alien light because like they're aliens they're very human like aliens so I'm like there's no blue penises no like nubs nothing like that like so I always say alien light yes so um i write humanoid aliens so usually Mm. i've got a um you know background that some higher alien race seeded life through the galaxy and we all started from the same breeding stock so we're similar but over the centuries Mm -hmm. and millennia have got different um quirks but um not totally different um species i guess so um yes so i you know, I, I'm here, like I said, for the the action and adventure. I'm not here to explore totally different alien life <laughs> meeting with us, um, which is highly chaos. unlikely to happen anyway. So <laughs> um, that's fair. Um, so what's next for you, Anna? So I mentioned earlier today, I'm going to finish off Conqueror, which is the last book in my Galactic Kings series and send that off to my editor. That's coming out next month. Uh, I've got my crossover novella, which is a bit of a mashup of my three main romantic suspense series. Uh, That's coming out. It's actually part of a book club. It's going to be free, um, the Protector Romance Book Club. And then I'll probably just give it to my readers after that anyway. And then I'm back to my new romantic suspense series. So I'll be plotting out and starting work on Striker, which is the third Sentinel security book. So this is... um, uh they're all sort of ex-military ex-international law enforcement this this has got slightly more international flavor to the norcross um it's a bit of a crossover with norcross but um Mm -hmm. yeah these these guys were heading a bit more international so the last book we ended up in italy and this well i haven't mentioned this but striker's book will end up in london so um yeah, so I'm, I'm having fun with those. So it's romantic suspense, but a bit more of an international feel to it. So having lots of fun with those. And um, the first two books, Wolf and Hades, the readers seem to be enjoying those. So, yeah. Uh, so Wolf, I will tell you that, like, our Discord is bonkers for Wolf. Like, our community, they have talked about it, like, nonstop. Delightfully nonstop. dirty. So Delightfully <laughs> dirty. And, and I do get a lot more of the tropes into the contemporary romantic suspense. You can just slot it in there more easily um, than, than the you, sci-fi. None of yours so. are overly tropey, which I like. No, but when I sit down to write, like I might, 
you know, that trope's often a, a starting point for me, but it's not the be all and end all of the, of the mm-hmm. story. Like, and often like, you know, when you see the brother's best friend or the whatever people put it in the title, what the trope is, then I know they're going to be really milking that trope for everything. And that's fine. Some of those are great, but um, for me, I've, there's, Mm-hmm. I've got to get the action and the romance and a touch. Of the I wish trope they'd stop and... putting them in the title. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it, there are ways to make it obvious, obviously, but it, it clearly helps yeah. them find the right readers. So. It's for mm-hmm. marketing and searching. I mean, I know why, but we just don't love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Anyway, Anna, thank you so much for joining us and coming on and sharing about your books with us. Well, thanks again for having me. Like I said, getting to talk about books and romance is my favorite thing to do. So, Excellent. Um, so you guys can, Anna, are most of your books in Kindle Unlimited or you have a little bit of a mix? Uh, most of them now are Kindle Unlimited. I think there's still a couple that I have wide, just, you know, very earlier stuff, novellas, sure. just so, you know, readers can sure. test it out. But um, most of it slowly is now all shifting towards towards Kindle KU, Unlimited. So my okay. read, most of my readers are there. Mm-hmm. So you can find Anna's books in Kindle Unlimited. And thank you. Thanks again. Okay, so uh, that was a lovely chat. She is delightful and amazing. And I'm so excited that we got to talk to her. Um, yeah, like seriously, I thought Leah was going to like push me out of the way and just be like, this is my episode. Go away. <laughs> you you just needed to be there as like a secondary person in case I just got too like caught up, but yeah, she was delightful to chit chat with. Okay. So I am ex- super excited for next. We are going to listen to an exclusive clip from always her love by Melissa Foster, uh, this was provided to us by Lyric Audio. Um, Always Her Love features narrators Aiden Snow and Ava Erickson. We both have read the book. We have both read the book. Um, and and there's a delightful. quick shot. And there's a quick shot for this book. Uh, Levi is the dirtiest talking daddy ever. Yes. He um, still- so here we go. When are you going? Next Saturday. Charmaine has a few new listings coming up on other parts of the island, so I figured I'd wait and see them all at once. Great, I'll go with you. The prospect of looking at houses with Levi was as nerve-wracking as it was exciting. Are you coming back next weekend? I am now, he said happily. You don't have to come back just to help me look at houses. But yes, please. I want to. Houses are my jam, and Joey will be thrilled to see her grandparents and Hadley again. Jacques had adopted Hadley when he and Daphne were married, and Joey adored her cousin. Are you sure you don't mind? I know how busy you are. I'm never too busy to help you, he said that sexy smile on her again. It would be so easy to twist that thoughtfulness into something more. You're giving up two weeks to spend with us. I think I can handle checking out a few houses with you. That made it easier. He was merely repaying a favor. Not that she needed to be repaid, but she could use his expertise when evaluating the properties. Okay, if you really don't mind. Thanks. Great. What time is your first appointment? Ten. I'll take an early ferry and pick you up at your parents' house. Does that work? Yes, perfectly. I look forward to it. 
I guess I'd better get back to my run. Will I see you tonight at Rock Bottom? There had been a small celebration last night at Indy's boutique for Archer and Indy's engagement, which had included family and friends. Tonight's parent and kid-free celebration was hosted by Wells Silver, one of Bellamy's older brothers, at his restaurant, Rock Bottom Bar and Grill, one of the hottest night spots on the island. Yes, I'm going with Jules and Bellamy. It should be a lot of fun. Awesome. And it's a date. Did she miss something? A date? To look at houses together. Oh, right. Yes. Sorry, my mind is on a hundred things. Busy day ahead? Yes. But that's not what had me sidetracked. I'm taking pictures at the annual police and fire department car wash. Taking pictures of shirtless guys? He arched a brow. Think you can handle it without losing your mind? She gave him a deadpan look. Ha ha. Hey, that was your warning, not mine. It wasn't meant for me. You're shirtless and I'm doing just fine, aren't I? Yes, you are. And that doesn't bode well for my ego. He winked. I'll see you tonight. He took a few steps and glanced over his shoulder, holding up his tank top. Guess I'd better put this on so I don't cause any accidents. He put on his tank top and jogged down the road. Your ego is fully intact, she called after him. My heart, on the other hand, is a work in progress. While Levi was thrilled that three of his siblings had found love, there was only so much nuzzling a guy could take when he was struggling with things he shouldn't be thinking about. He excused himself to get a drink and ordered at the bar. A cute brunette was making eyes at him, trying to catch his attention. There were plenty of beautiful women there, but Levi's focus was riveted to the gorgeous, off-limits blonde dancing with Bellamy and Jules. Tara might be the epitome of sweet and careful in her daily life, but when she danced, she morphed into a pure, cock-hardening seductress. He didn't think she even realized it. It was like she became possessed by the music, moving sensually in a clingy, off-the-shoulder yellow top that stopped just shy of her low-waisted, curve-hugging skinny jeans, giving Levi, and too many other men, glimpses of bare flesh and her sexy belly button. Heat sparked beneath Levi's skin, simmering hotter with every rock of her hips. Fuck. He told himself to look away, but he couldn't. He didn't want to. He'd always kept a protective eye on her, so why was his mind going places it shouldn't? Places it had tiptoed over the years, but he'd been quick to shut down and deny. His damn brother had him analyzing more than Tara's interactions with him. He had Levi questioning his own motives and noticing her in new ways, and it was irritating the hell out of him. Oh my god, those voices fit them so well. They're so perfect. Like, that sounded like Tara. Like, that was Tara's inflection and Tara's... Well, and Aiden has that, like, gravel, like, oh my god. Their voices, that was such a good choice. So good. Um, okay, so I guess I'm now buying <laughs> the book. God, it was so good. I'm going to have to listen to this. That is so good. Like, that was Tara and Levi. And mm -hmm. I love that they gave us the snippet of her and then him at the bar because. Uh -huh. And also. That's such a good scene, too. I, like in Ava the Erickson is one of my favorite female 
audiobook narrators. I don't think I haven't listened to her yet. So this is like my first time hearing her because again, like I'm new into the audio world, but she she has a really nice cadence. She does. And I really like her inflection and she just brings a little something extra to the book. And Aiden Snow is dreamy and fantastic, but she kind of upstages him a little bit in those two clips. Mm-hmm. I do like him. I was on a, I was on a deep binge of his delightfulness <laughs> in my ears the other day. Um, okay. So always her love is available now, wherever you buy your audiobooks. Lyric audiobooks offers audiobook production services to some of the best indie romance authors. You can find out more about Lyric audiobooks at www.lyricaudiobooks.com. Okay, Leah, it's that time it's for book, book of, of the the week. week what's your book of the this week book of the week my book of the week um i've actually been in a binge of listening and rereads but i did read um the new one from lonnie lynn vale it's called never trust the living it is the final book in her battle crow series it's bram and dory's story and it was so much more than i was expecting like it went a totally different direction it was delightful and wonderful and i'm really sad that the series is over like i want to go back and read book one again just because it was really 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 good okay but it introduced like some of the characters for her new series so i'm excited okay i know you're a big fan of hers so i am what was your book of the week um so our friend shauna over at wildwood uh wildfire sent wildwood. me Wildwood, because I'm my brain's not working. Um, sent me an advanced copy of The Matchmaking CEO by Layla Hagen. Oh, this one sounds really good. Okay, this is a new release and it's a new series. And the book involves hero Jake Whitley, his matchmaking grandmother, and party planner Natalie. They're meet cute. Grandma. Their meet cute is on his private airplane headed to Martha's Vineyard, and she gets airsick. Because she ate the smorgasbord in the private dining area, like lounge area of the airport while she Wait, waited for him to show up. How did she his private airplane? So grandma has set her up. Oh. Grandma wants a 90th birthday party and has decided that the perfect place to have this intimate gathering of 50 is her grandson's Martha's Vineyard um, mansion. Okay. And it sounds wonderful. So they meet on the airplane and she ends up see air sickness like bad. Like she oh. hands the vomit back. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And he does not want her there. He does not want her there. Um, it's what you come to expect from Layla Hagen. There is family drama. Mm-hmm. There are brothers. And then. Part of the drive for grandma is they want Jake. He lives in New York City. He's the only brother that doesn't live in Boston. They want him to come back to Boston to run the advertising arm of the families. They have mm, a bunch of different. Yeah, conglomerate <laughs> with a bunch of different arms. <clears throat> but he can't, he doesn't <clears throat> want to live in Boston because that's where his dad used to live. And um, shortly before his mother passed away, he found out his dad had a second family. Ooh. And the three stepbrothers have been, or the three half brothers have been folded into the family. And anyway. Oh, and he's. He's bitter and angry at them. He's grumpy about it. Super grumpy. Super. So anyway, highly recommend it. And it's in Kindle Unlimited. And I'm excited for the rest of this series. Like, cannot wait. Because grandma is a matchmaker. 
I love a matchmaking grandma. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> so have you visited the website to vote for your ultimate girl crush and romance? Um, Becky and I are doing our girl crush episode coming up and the final day for voting will be October 28th. Yes. And that episode drops November the 6th. So you will find out our top, each of us will have a top seven girl crushes. Mm-hmm. And then the last one will be whoever wins the community vote. So that will be all good things. All good things. Um, so Patreon update. We recently updated our Patreon perks. Some of our perks include monthly swag packs, bonus content, like should I read it? And buzzing after dark. We have drunk book club merch discounts, quarterly reading journals, another round coffee of the month club and our bi monthly author roundtables. <clears throat> I'm excited to announce that in November we are hosting our next author roundtable discussion and it will feature author AL Jackson. Her roundtable will take place on November the 9th and details can be found at patreon.com slash bookcase and coffee. I am so excited to talk with her because I talked to her back um, in early 2021, but her writing style is so unique. And I think that it will be really interesting to chit chat with her. And I'm excited because I didn't get to talk to her because I wasn't around yet. And so like, I have not had these conversations with her and I am very excited. She has a darker edge to her books, but they're not quite dark romance. Mm -hmm. They're just edgy. (laughs) And I'm really excited to sit down and have a discussion with her and find out about her books. Yeah, I am too. And Um, guess what, everybody? Plot a book is back. Um, back. This Thursday, Becky is live on the Tiki Talk with author Sawyer Bennett and they, where we are helping her plot a novella. We've had to postpone a couple times because life happened. and Life has happened. Life has happened, but it's back. But we do know that this book is going to take place in the Arizona Vengeance world. Dominic will be in it. He is going to play a little bit of a matchmaker. And I believe we will see an appearance from the best book boyfriend in the entire oh, universe. Cheese and rice. Wild. Of course he's the best. Um Okay, Drunk Book Club uh, is November 12th, and we are reading Rev to the Max by Melanie Moreland. Melanie will be joining us for the evening. If you would like details to find out how you can become a part of Drunk Book Club, check out bookcaseandcoffee.com slash drunkbookclub, all together in one big fat word. It is the best night of the month. Or you can just go to bookcaseandcoffee.com and you will find it somewhere you will find it just search for it we are super proud of drunk book club it is like it's so much fun and it's a little chaotic and we although i will say that september's was fairly like tame we did not get out of control we didn't but i was drinking water so maybe that was it probably but there are we bringing the return oh no october is the return of dirty pictionary Dirty Pictionary is October, but I think we will have to do it in December too. You think so? Okay. Yeah, because December's author. Oh she yeah, will love it. she will get a kick out of the Dirty Pictionary. Anyway, you can find details on our website. Check it out. Um, have you checked out our sister podcast, Corset and Crown? Lady Sadie and Duchess Katie have spent um, all of September giving out some amazing book recs, and they have some new episodes dropping now in October. They read Spooky 
Halloween style reads. One involves a hero that's and a ghost. I don't know. Um, they, uh, they have had so much fun with their episodes lately. So make sure you go ahead and give them a listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Leah, what are we doing next time? Next time you are cordially invited to the buzzing about romance wedding wreck episode. We are going to be sharing all the wedding trope books. We love jilted grooms, runaway brides, jilted brides, bridesmaids, and wedding planners. If there's a wedding book out there, we may just wreck it, but just know there's a lot of wrecks, but there's a lot of books that we do not talk about too. Well, and there's a lot of wedding stuff and like, I put on so Twitter. So much wedding. I put on Twitter. I've decided I do read a ton of wedding. When I first went into this episode, I didn't think I was going to have a ton and I was going to have to go <laughs> searching. And I even did some like re-listens and rereads to like be like, okay, is this going to work for this episode? I have found out that author Kelly Jameson loves a wedding as much as I love a wedding. <laughs> because <laughs> and so when I tagged her in Twitter, she's like, I do. And I have a book I want to write that also involves a wedding. And I'm like, I'm here for okay. it. I, I'm because she does. She has a jilted bride. She has a runaway bride. Mm-hmm. She has a jilted groom. I do like a jilted groom because you don't get those as much. She has a wedding guest and a wedding planner hook up one night stand. Like, hello. hello? You just you could just have a Kelly book for everything. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, truth. There is a lot of wedding books though. Like There's I'm trying so to na- I'm trying to narrow my list down. Um I stopped at 45. The, I stopped the trope at 45. Talks, let me say I love them and I just I hate them at the same time because prep for them. Like we just recently did a small town episode and let me tell you I did not even skim the surface of my small town books that I've read. Well, and I do think we are going to have to do a second small town romance series because Yes. Wait. Because you did not skim the surface of your small towns either. No, it was we in that episode, there were five of us. We each gave a total of five. And then we talked about like two other mm-hmm. kind of on the periphery small town ones. Um, and my list was over 60. Mm-hmm. So I do I have didn't some even posts. write all mine down. I do have some posts on the website of some additional small town wrecks. So if you haven't checked out our website, you absolutely should because our on the shelf show notes will give you TBRs for our trope talk episodes, but you will also find other um, book groupings. Um, And all we say to that is you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.